this Business of Music and Poetry podcast, where the life of a creative meets the real world. I'm Michael Lombardi, host of World Poetry Open Mic, The Michael Lombardi Show, author of more books than I should mention, musician, poet, and above all, creative entrepreneur. My collaborator and conspirator in this project is Clifford Brooks, the founder of the Southern Collective Experience, poet, and author of The Draw of Broken Eyes and Whirling Metaphysics, Exiles of Eden, and Athena Departs, and Gospel of the Man Apart. And he does so many other things as well. In this episode, we talk about our creative influences, our practices, and how to develop your original voice. Without any further ado, here's myself with Clifford Brooks. All right, and we're back here, episode four of This Business of Music and Poetry. I'm Michael Amade. I'm sitting here uh, electronically sitting across from Mr. Cliff Brooks. How are you, sir? I am good. How are you doing, boss? Doing really, really well. What's uh, what's going on with the collective and what's going on with your uh, your work? With the collective, as of this moment, the April issue of the Blue Mountain Review is coming into a fine focus and will be out between uh, April 15th and the 20th. And um, we've got book reviews on Dan Veach's new collection, Lunchboxes, and we have a review on Melissa Studdard's book, I Ate the Cosmos for Breakfast, which I'm a big fan of. Wonderful. Um, some of the um, the interviews inside will be um, on Josh Prey. He's an online uh, personality that's breaking down some barriers between the um, races and relieving some tension that's most needed in these days that we're living in. Uh, and the, the poetry, obviously, with April being Poetry Month, we're, um, we're, we're really beefing up that portion of the Blue Mountain Review in April uh, to meet that challenge. But the fun addition to all that is that um, members and close associates of the Southern Collective Experience are putting together another video like we did last April of us reading some of our favorite um, poets, uh, poems by others. So that's, that's real, you know, all that's fine and dandy like sour candy. Wonderful, man. That's great stuff. Mm-hmm. How about you? Hear that? Well, uh, you know, we've got so World Poetry Open Mic in its seventh year. We're doing really well. We're, uh, you know, we're still working on the uh, the Edgar Allan Poe release for probably Halloween. Actually, like I mentioned that on the show, I think last time, and we're on track for that. We've got multiple books coming, and then also, and there's something I'm going to be talking to you after this because I want to make sure we uh, we're on opposite months. But we're going to be launching a World Poetry magazine, which we talked about for a while, but we finally think we've got the concept and the stuff together that we can do, right and, uh, which would be really cool, but it's going to be occupying kind of a different space than I, I think Blue Mountain Review is, um, and it'll be it'll be focused a lot on uh, different regions of the world. There'll be different editors for each part of the world, and so we've, cool. been, we've been working on that. Uh, so at any rate, yeah, it's... Um, we're kind of following the things that we've been talking about. You know, if you went back and looked at building a business around your work, you know, having all these, you know, building communities, adding value. That's if you actually listen to it, that's exactly what both of us are talking about. We're creating new things all the time. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens there. Of course, I got more books coming on. I've got a, I've got another book. It's going to be coming soon. Uh, that is basically for people 
who have used to be creative, used to write, used to do all that, and then somehow lost it when they were caught up in the mire of life. You know, they're having to make a living, having to raise a family maybe and all that stuff. And they're wanting to try to refine it. Um, I went into all of this research about why people stop being creative and case studies about people who eventually kind of shook that dust off and went back and started making it a significant part of their lives. So I made that uh, into a, a small read. You can read it in an evening and it's just something that people can use to, uh, to start becoming more creative. So that'll be coming out soon as well. Well, Stan, well, do you do you have a like a month in mind or release for that book? Uh, it should be uh, May, actually. Um, good month. Yeah, good yeah. month, man. May, May right would be before, good. Right before it gets intolerably hot here in the south. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good See, inside reading. I got to. We got to get you out here to uh, Colorado, late April, early May, uh, Cliff. It is. I've been a lot of places. It's one of the most beautiful uh, that I've ever seen, and uh, I think you'd like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I've been up. Actually, I came through there in Wyoming and Montana in July or August. We're here. Like, I've literally looked out the window at the pavement where you can see, like, the heat wafting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the mm-hmm. and, I, and I've literally called in sick to work. I'm not lying. And I don't work there anymore, <laughs> so I can say that. Like, oh, God, not today, dude. But then when I went through Colorado, I think that, uh, I think in the, in the, every morning it was about um, 60 something and it never got above 85. Oh, see. Is that is that well? What it is? No, it, I mean it. Uh, like during the summer, during July and stuff, you're you're hitting. You know, I think this last year we had maybe one day that was 105. But I mean, we don't have the humidity. We don't have any of that, and uh, it's actually a really really nice place to be. We're talking maybe 90s, low 90s most of the time. It's really really nice, you know. I'm so busy. yeah, yeah, good stuff. But at any rate, uh, today we wanted to have a, there's a certain subject that we were thinking about. We've been talking a lot about business. We've been talking about kind of external things. Um, But we wanted to instead kind of bring it back to where it really starts, which is how we actually create the things that we create. And we want to call this the road to originality because we, we realize that finding an original voice is very important and is vital to your success as a creative person. And you hear people talk about this a lot, but first of all, I mean, what does it mean? And then how can you go about uh, potentially finding it for yourself? Now, we can't give you the answer for everyone, but we're going to talk about what, how we do it and kind of what we think is uh, the important parts of that. So, uh, Cliff, do you, do you mind starting out? Like, first of all, what do you think makes an original voice from someone? And then maybe what do you do to... Uh, to kind of build your own writing process or your own creation process that you feel helps you connect more fully to who you are rather than, uh, you know, relying on imitation like a lot of people try to do. Well, I mean, the, 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 the answer is uh, there at the end of what you just said. When, when I began to write poetry in my early 30s, around 30, 32, 33, um, I wanted I, – I had those poets that I was – enamored with and my first gut reaction was just to go back and read them and and the reason for that was i wanted to remind myself why i liked them so much because up to that point i've said on several occasions that i'm up until my i started to be in writing poetry almost exclusively i wrote prose and so i was aware of poetry obviously and i had those poets that stuck out immediately that i liked but i'd never really gotten knee deep in it and I stopped, and I do believe it was the divine hand that stopped me, because I think where you go from originality to uh, imitation sometimes doesn't isn't a uh, deliberate act. Um, I think that if you, uh, or at least I, let me change that pronoun, if I had gone and pulled that book when I began to write poetry in earnest and, um, 
and to, to to spark that divine fire for verse. I I firmly believe that I would have inadvertently not written like them, but maybe. And I guess this was my fear that I would write uh, in in even in the spirit of them. Um, I think that there's a an, uh, an, ex- an expansive ocean between being inspired by somebody and imitating somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, when you imitate somebody, um, obviously that is an anthema to originality. But people know it. Uh, even if they don't know it, it's going to sound like old hat because one, it's not you. It's not genuine. And two, that's already been done. Um, some of those I've seen copied the most in poetry are E.E. E. Cumming, Bukowski, for a fact. Oh, God. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and then again, you're, that, person, that person did it right. That person did it well because they made it their own. It was their voice. To, make, to create my own voice, that was the, that until, honestly, like the last, the last, oh, God, man, 12 months, uh, people asking me, you know, well, how, you know, how, how did you find your voice? You know, how, how, how did you do it? Okay, look, we know how you didn't do it. How did you do it? And I would always get, feel like I was getting pushed into a corner because um, the answer always seemed elusive to me. Like when somebody asks, like, how do you get inspired? And uh, without trying to sound haughty, like, I, I'll never be able to explain to anybody how you get inspired. It, it's, that, that can't be taught. Um, but with my voice and, the, and, and what I write, uh, it was a matter of, as, as trite as it may sound, you write the same way you talk. Now, the, the, the arrangement of the words in each line, um, you know, calling up the spirit of, of, a, of someone you consider a poetic hero or a, mus- uh, or a, a musical hero, uh, that can factor into it. But I would never like I still don't know what a fortnight is. I have no idea what a fortnight. So I mean, so I'm never gonna say like, oh, I'm gonna see you on a fortnight when I have no clue. Nor would I. And dude, if you know what it is and you use that in your everyday language, do it. And I'm not saying don't go to a thesaurus because words are fun. Finding new words is fun. But if you do what I call the the um the the, the thesaurus facade is what I call it, uh, where yeah. someone some someone has obviously gone through and just in every word they use, they've gone and found the most arcane huge word that hasn't been used since like the 1600s to try and look smart. And there again, you're losing your originality because that's not you. Right. As much, as much as the movie fight club wants us to believe that we are not individuals, we are not pretty little, you know, you know, uh, significant snowflakes. Uh, we are to a degree. So to, to, in, in my opinion, to become original on the page, it's to be you in earnest. And that takes an enormous amount of bravery and uh, facing down vulnerability. What about you? I think that's uh, that's some some great points there, man. Um, for me, an original voice is uh, it, it's it's an interesting act, like a delicate balancing act. Because I I don't know if you've come across people like this, uh, Cliff, where no matter what you do, no matter what idea uh, you have, there's someone who has to go. Oh, that's like so and so, and they always right. are aware of of something else. And honestly, for me. That I find that so detrimental. I don't want to be like it's not that I'm. I want to just be able to be blind to art, and I don't want to like you know by mistakenly copy people. That's not what I'm saying. But the thing is, the moment I'm able to recognize every idea or try to classify it as something that's already happened before, I, I absolutely have no. The creativity starts to leave because now you have a context of okay, well, who executes this idea this way, or who you know. Um, what I I kind of go back to this thing my father told me back when I was I think 14, 15 years old. 
and I was playing guitar a lot, just like he had done when he was growing up. And he told me that, uh, you know, the biggest regret he had growing up was that he stayed in his room playing guitar all the time. If he had mm-hmm. been smart, he would have put the guitar down and gone and had some life experiences and then come back and played. And so I actually, for some reason, didn't listen to him about a lot of stuff back then, but I took that to heart. And so <laughs> I would I would play, and then I would leave, and I'd purposely say, I'm not playing music for the next six weeks, and I'd go out and have experiences. I'd come back, and yeah, my chops weren't as good as they, they used to be, but I had things to say now. I had life experiences, things to draw on. So I think that started informing this idea early on that I needed to take responsibility for the things I was filling my head with and my spirit with, and that I needed to purposefully go about life in a way that caused inspiration. The other trick that I found that is really valuable to me is I don't look for inspiration in the art form that I'm creating. Right. Um, because I find that that's a real quick way to go to imitation, even uh, unconsciously. So right. what I, so yeah. So, I mean, so for me, like I'll come at music, um, but I'm inspired by a life event or a visual or uh, poetry or the written word. I'll come to poetry inspired by music or a visual, you know? So um, I very purposely do that kind of thing too, but I kind of just create an ecosystem as much as I can um, that allows me to be inspired by new ideas, new art, new things all of the time. That's, that's where I kind of go after it. And I feel like the good people, the really good ones, like you're talking about Bukowski and those people, it is their voice is the filter in which they're expressing the art that's coming through them. Um, so, you know, someone else could have written Roll the Dice like Bukowski, or they could have written the, the point of Roll the Dice, but it wouldn't have come across like Bukowski. It would have come right. across like them if they were being authentic. Right. So I just realized my whole job is not to be Bukowski. My job is to be me. I don't have any interest in being anybody other than me. And, uh, and then that also means I'm responsible for my own inspiration, my own voice. So I think that's that's my uh, my point of view on that that whole deal, right? But uh, let me let me ask you this here, Cliff. Um, so in your your process of creation, so you're you know we all have routines, we all have ways we do things. Uh, what are your preferences? How what is what is your uh, what is your kind of creative process like? <sighs> um, actually, now that's fresh in my mind. You. I feel like honestly, and it, it, it's it's not to, to to build this up for those listening, but there's a synergy between you and I where where what you just said about um, experience and going out and living. Um, I've never had writer's block, but I, I uh, and and, I, and I'm not bragging about that. I just recently was I was giving that some thought because I've heard you know many people say, well, man, you know, I just sat down to write. And I couldn't get it going. And I just, you know, I just began to write and it wasn't going anywhere. And so I got frustrated. And I said, and um, it led me from that point to there are two, of course, there's two kinds of everything. But with writers, there are those that sit down at the same time every day um, with uh, much more strict discipline. And they write no matter whether or not they feel like it. And then, and then there are those who, wait until the passions strike them and they're they're i believe uh, erroneously tagged as manic writers um and of course they're you know th- th- those those factor into it but the two of those merged to make me think like well no i mean okay all right i think what you know what what i get that with what they're saying is that i have now they're not telling me i've got writer's block but just you know processing all these things i believe that i have had what would be considered writer's block, but it's because I'm going out and living. I don't feel like writing. I don't, 
you know, I, I, I can't, if I sit down and go, okay, I don't feel like writing, but I'm going to write, I will sit there and I will, I will watch YouTube for a couple of hours. You know, I don't, you know, and it's not because I'm trying to get around writing. I, I, you know, I just, I, I, mean, I admire truly those who sit down without feeling like writing, don't know what they're going to write and then write. I want to say, well, what do you write? I mean, to me, it was almost like Jack Nicholson in the all play and all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You know, it's like, <laughs> what do yeah. you, what are you writing about? And, and again, there's no judgment in that. But, you know, to me, my when, when I sit down my creative process, you know, and, and, and it's not like, you know, oh, my God, I mean, it's not, I've never the where I diverge from people that, that really talk about like I've got this, you know, the, the where it would just it would it would be maddening to me is when I've heard people say I've got this idea. I have this idea and I want to get it on paper, but I can't. You know, I've never had right. that. Um, but I've just been like, well, you know, I don't feel like writing and I may go, you know, I may go like a, um, a month, you know, six weeks, seven weeks and, and not write a poem, you know. Um, but I, I believe that um, in that downtime, my mind is processing and filtering and creating new, you know, new, new pathways with neurons and myelene sheaths and whatever to to push my work forward when I do sit down because I'm all what I can, what I'm concerned with. And, and it, it's all of this has made me take poetry. Um, I believe that there's a fine, there, there's a, there's a balance. And I don't know what the equation is, but you, with your chosen art form, you, you do need to take it seriously as a vocation, but you don't need to do it so much so that you strangle the fun out of it. And, right. but when the serious <laughs> side of it, like my, there are many people in academia who say, well, man, if you don't publish a book every year, um, you're obsolete. And those who can create a book every year and have it published, no matter how they do it, um, my hat's off to them. But me personally, I would be afraid that I had not grown as a person enough between 2018 and 2019 that if I came out with another book after 12 months from the last one, people would read it and say, like, God, I've read this before. You know, I, I've heard I've heard this language before. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, and and it's, it's why my books come out so far apart from one another. My first book came out in twenty, late twenty. Well, it was soft release was I think twenty twelve, hard release in twenty thirteen, and then Athena Departs came out in twenty seventeen. It was a good five years between there, and people have also, you know, in 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 when I get down and I actually start to write, you know, it's, it's when I haven't written in a while, it will, it will strike me, but it's, it doesn't come out in some kind of frantic energy. You know, it, there's a, there's that, that renewed excitement, that childlike spark that you and I talked about in last, in the past shows yeah. that, that, that I think that only make the, 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 the art fun for us to create. It's, it makes it fun for people to read. And so I'll sit down and, um, I do have, um, books on my desk that, uh, like, as much as I talked about the whole uh, thesaurus facade, there's a book called the big, the, the big book of words you should know. And <laughs> I'll, I'll flip through it honestly and find one that's, that, that, that just, that strikes me, you know, uh, because I believe that as that your art needs to grow with you and that work needs to reflect that growth. And so, you know, being a writer, I find words infinitely fascinating and, and language always like a pliable, malleable substance that you can smear around the page like paint. Yeah. And um, uh, I will read poets in my downtime when I'm not, when I know I'm not going to write, you know, like I mean, to, to stop write, reading poetry altogether is ridiculous. But when I, when I, when I, I you know, when, when I'm just, I, I can, when I'm in my process, when I read poetry, it's like laying in a hammock, you know, it's relaxing and, and, and reminding me and falling in love with those. 
uh, especially now with the magazine, I'll get sent books by contemporary poets and and be rejuvenated by the here and now. You know, uh, I believe what you and I were mentioning before, like nostalgia will cripple your originality. I firmly believe that. Or it'll be original while you're remembering it the first time, but the next book that comes out and you're remembering that same episode again, you're going to run into redundancy. And I believe that that's, it's just like, and I'm not picking on anybody, but it's like when you run into that friend that you hadn't seen since high school and all they want to talk about is the 10th grade. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like you're, living, you're living life walking backwards, you know? And so, you know, it, it's, it, um, but as I, you know, as I find the present fascinating and looking forward to the future being, uh, I've also found that um, I want to capture all of emotion within my books, but being a happy person while I do it makes much better poetry. Just saying, you know, so um, as much as it does act poetry, writing, the creative process, act as a therapeutic uh, catalyst, um, I don't rely on it because I don't think that anybody wants to hear me moan for 100 pages, you know? True. That makes um, sense, yeah. How do you get through it? Well, I think um, in my in my uh, my experience, you know, writer's block for me is, is a little bit different because my the biggest issue I've had for most of my life has been taming and calming my brain down long enough to do the work. Um, cause my brain just kind of runs <laughs> like yeah. never, never stops. Right. So, um, the, the thing that I found is, you know, so I, I write a lot and I, I put that pressure on myself. I found that when I put pressure on myself to create a, a big amount of stuff that, uh, I actually do better for some reason under those circumstances. Now it doesn't mean that I get stressed. I actually, have to look at it and become really intelligent about how I go about things and systemize. But once I know, hey, I have to knock out X amount of words by the end of the day, it's no problem. It's pretty easy for, uh, for me to do. The, that, uh, that other thing, though, is that I, I do about 1,500 to 2,000 words every morning, and it could just be anything that I'm working on. That means that I might not be writing a book. I might not be writing anything of, of real significance. I could just be writing you know, some essay that I never put out anywhere. However, it, it helps me stay kind of grounded as to the, the practice. I'm not getting too far away from my, my writer's chair, as you know, metaphorically speaking. Now, when, I, when I'm writing a book, though, I kind of do the same thing you're talking about, Cliff, where I, I will go into a phase where I'm just thinking. I, won't, I don't sit down and, and just start making stuff up. I have to actually think, and I have to spend yeah. some time. I have to, I have to go read a bunch. I have to listen to a lot of things. I got to do, you know, I got to do research. I got to, um, I got to start forming my own opinions, and I got to start being able to draw conclusions in an original way. And I have to be able to filter because, as you and I both know, good writing is actually indicative of a, a clarified thought process. One of my favorite things about writing has been the effect it has on my ability to think things through clearly because um, you have to when you're writing and you're organizing that kind of information. Agreed. So uh, I think it's for me, it's a combination of understanding the process that I need to fill my mind up. I need to fill my spirit up before I start creating something new and then mm -hmm. understanding I need to have pressure on myself and I need to have a practice built up that discipline built up. Those three things make it easy for me to do. And when I say easy, I also have to clarify, I absolutely hate writing, but I hmm. love having written 
when I'm finishing a book, oh man, I'm a basket case every yeah. damn time. And like I, you know, I have. You should have seen me. I I, I finished this thing on uh, New Year's Eve this last year. Uh, Cliff and I'm sitting here. I'm sure everyone's out. Everybody else is out partying. You know, whatever. There's a blizzard outside. There's snow outside. I've got you know something like six days of beard growth on my face, and I'm sitting there just <laughs> you know feeling like I'm insane. And I finished it at I think 7 p.m. on New Year's Eve, and I had been pushing for I think 15 days straight or something like that. You know, that's nuts. You don't have to do that stuff. And I and I also realized I'm never going to do it that way again. But at the same time, that discipline was able to be there because of all those other things I built up. I hated write, writing that book. I'm so happy it's written. And I'm so happy when it gets in the hands of people that they actually love it. So, of course, I'm going to write again. You know, I just know that it's, uh, it's a struggle. It's a battle. And the question is, how do I prepare myself the best for that battle? Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So that, that's, yeah. I guess that's, that's really what it is. Now, do you have... Um, do you have like when you're writing? Do you write at the same time? Do you use? Do you use? Is there a certain method you prefer to write? Like, do you write by hand? Do you write computer? What do you What do you do? Um, I have. Oh man. Um, like any stereotypical writer, I have a moleskin on me all the time. In fact, if I could get um some moleskin um promotional support money, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm open and available. I'm a whore that way. Um, no, it's a, I, I always have one of those notebooks on me, um, because I don't know. And in my poetry, it's, it's, um, that habit is reflected. I'll mention it sometimes directly. Um, and in some poems, actually all my poetry is literal. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, well, there's, there's two flavors of my poetry. There's the one where it's a long kind of dreamscape type deal where I'm taking you along with a moral and, and, um, some, some hardships and, and hard won battles and then some joy. And then the elation of being free from an old life, you know, that, that, that's set in kind of a, a, um, in a mythology that I've created over the years. Then you have those that are extremely different. The poems are typically much shorter than my dreamscape ones where, um, people have seen, and that's with the fun of poetry is that people have seen absolutely different things and meanings into this. But when I spill it out, I don't, I don't, you know, I hate those shows. They don't do them anymore. Cause hopefully whoever did it got their ass stomped. But when the, <laughs> did you remember, you, you remember when they had those shows where like the guy on the mask would come out and show you how they do all the magic tricks. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hated that. I hated that guy because I didn't want to know, you know? And so when yeah, I right. remembering, remembering that, you know, I don't feel like that by telling people this and I'm snatching some of their, their, you know, their, their childlike Christmas wonder away. But in some of those poems, I'm literally watching something happen. And I'm writing down in my language in one of those little books what I'm seeing, you know. So to answer that question, like there, 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 there are moments in life, and there again that I experience. And I'm not trying to get all philosophical on you, but um, uh, experience makes the original content uh, because I think I mean it's been attributed to several philosophers, but Socrates is one that comes to mind where they said like there's nothing new under the sun. You know, right. so and, and it, it, that, that doesn't depress me that that, that to me, it, it takes off this mantle of I've got to have this brand new thought. It's not that you've got a thought that no one's ever thought of. It's that thought that everyone's thought of that you say only the way you can. Right. Right. That's the way that's the way I frame it. And then, then it takes away all the fear. And also, like, again, not to get off to topic, I won't come right back. My, my priest says that I talk in figure eights. Mm -hmm. um, when you when you said that you have somebody there going, oh, that thought that's already been thought of. 
Um, you you know this, and I know this, but I want to make sure our audience know this. To have, if you're writing a story that sounds exactly like, oh, I'm just you know, hey Steve, I've just written this book about vampires that twinkle in the sunlight. You know that, that <laughs> yeah, you need to be said like, whoa, 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 you want you're gonna want to change that detail. That's already been done. Absolutely. If it's, yeah. if it's that specific, yeah. But if you have somebody that's around you all the time saying no, 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 and it just sounds like a lawnmower that won't start. That's somebody that's toxic and needs to be taken away and probably just bitter that they can't write the way you do and they feel better with, you know, misery loves company. So removing all that crap from your life does help. And um, with um, but more specifically, with my creative process, you have those sparks and those moments. Um, I call those snapshot poems, the ones that go into my little book. But I'll also have like, I'll, uh, you know, when you when you said you sit there and you think about it. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, fill your, you know, your, your head with a lot of, um, of, of, of praise here, but uh I was watching, of all things, Ancient Aliens. It always goes back to Ancient Aliens. Um, it all goes back to those. <laughs> it does. It does everything, apparently. I had no idea. I was like, dude, man. If this is a marathon, forget it. I'm not leaving the house. Exactly. Um, but, no, it was, it's where they, they, they said that, and I've heard this other places before I you know, get into this, where they said that, uh, you know, Albert Einstein, Tesla, um, uh, and uh, the Buddha, uh, they, they, would, they would sit and they would think, about something and think it to death, not not overthinking to the point of inaction, but just um, where I where where many I believe and there's no I mean it's like I'm not I'll say this a thousand times I'm not being judgmental. There are those who will sit there and write, you know, two dozen drafts of something, and then there 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 are other folks that'll sit there and they'll do those drafts in their head. Now you know it's just the kind of learner you are, which is whichever one you do. I don't think there's any more or any less intelligence in in, in either one. But what, you, what I think that you're talking about is like, you know, I don't, have you ever been sitting there and you're in like this blissful reverie thinking about something and thinking about something and somebody comes up and shakes you and goes, what are you thinking about? And oh, you man, to, yeah. And, and you want to beat them to death. And like, well, I'm thinking about murder. That's what I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. it's, and, you're, and you're calling a space cadet. And I'm not going down the issue. You know, it's, like, it's you know, and if I, you know, and I, again, side note, if, if I saw somebody like they just look like, man, whatever they're thinking makes them, but you get, you get that goofy childlike glaze on you. The last thing I'm going to think is like, let me go shake that man and see what he's thinking about. You know, like, like no. Right. But, right. But, but I think that when we think about it, it's like my, with my creative process, there will be moments where um, the idea in the moment of its conception is too big for me to put on paper at that moment. And so it's like, um, oh, man, I had this buddy in college who, who said, God is like a whale. And we're all really close to it. So, like, I can only see his eye and you can only see a fin and somebody else can only see its you know, blowhole. And we all have to get together and explain what we're seeing to get the whole concept of the whale. And, and I believe that's the same thing with when I, when I'm, you know, it's when I have these dreamscape poems especially like i'm excited about it you know and it's kind of frightening and i'm trying to figure out how to how to how to how to, how to get my arms around that whale that's too big and i have found that sometimes that is when my creative process will say well just get something out and i'll call it i call it creative puking <laughs> and, it has, and it has and it, and it has nothing to do with alcohol but uh where you just you don't you don't, you don't, and I, you don't become so overcritical of yourself that you never start. I'll just say, okay, that's when I'm going to just type something: a whale, eyeball, blowhole. We're all people; we only see pieces, and just to get the the wheel spinning. And I'll typically do that all at my computer. Once I think you and I are the last generation that that I don't know if you ever thought this, but you know, computers came. You know, they were they they when early in our lives we we didn't have those, you know, and so I would longhand write everything. And I kept thinking, oh, man, I'm going to have to write longhand, write everything, you know, and then I'll type it into a computer. And then once I got used to a computer, I'm like, that's kind of redundant, you know. Yeah. So 
now I've gotten used to sitting down and doing a, a great deal of it on computer. Um, but again, I have found that if I stay inside too long, I do that Stephen King secret window crazy thing. And, um, and, and so getting back outside in that notebook then becomes critical because, man, I'm telling you, it's the, oh man, the Kubla Khan complex where, where Coleridge was in the middle of that poem and somebody knocked and he got up, went to the door and he came back and he, he lost that spark and he couldn't write the other half of the poem. Yep. If you think, well, I'll remember this in 15 minutes. Oh, no, nothing will haunt you like forgetting that idea that you're excited about. So having that notebook, having, having that, that ability to wherever you are, get out in the sunshine, take a walk, take a walk, man, that is helping nature, people, sounds that, you know, getting society at a, at a distance or, or, or getting close to it in a, in a time frame that you're comfortable. To me, all of those things come into my creative process. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of, I mean, you know, it, it's funny. So, I, so you, like you talked about, I used to write everything freehand and then, uh, but we, you know, we have computers and computers are, are such powerful tools, but I'll tell you, man, the thing that computers will do is they will divide your attention more than any other thing. And I, and I, I happen to be kind of a fan of the, uh, the Cal Newport deep work idea, which is like, you know, of course being people who, uh, are creating things for other people. We do want to use things like social media because that's a place where we can kind of get that traction and communicate with people. We want to be there. So we can't just shut that down. However, on the other side, um, there's a time and a place and, and a lot of time, you know, you need to not, if you're creating, you need to not be active on social media because it's made to be addictive. You'll jump over, you'll watch YouTube and stuff. And I'm, I'm just as right. guilty. So what right. I, what I ended up doing this is funny. I came on this on my own and then I actually found out there's a, apparently a few people who do this um, but I bought a uh, a little MP3 player, not an iPod, an MP3 player that is not uh, a phone because it does not connect to the internet. Yeah. It is completely yeah. separate. And the other thing I started doing was using notebooks to write in. I have a, a really good pen, really good notebooks. Um, and what I'll do is I'll sit there, and I made this decision a while ago that I w I'll just sit, and I don't have to write, but I can't do anything but write. So if I if I'm if I want to just sit around and look around and just kind of feel out the room, I, I can do that, but I can't uh, I can't look at my phone. I can't do anything else like that. I can listen. I can sit there and listen to music, but at some point I got to just start writing. And it 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 actually is pretty easy to uh, to do that in that situation. And I actually found out recently that Neil Gaiman uses the exact same strategy. You know, he just mm -hmm. because it eventually becomes too boring to not write. So, right, right. So, and that's, and, but that's just more my own ability to, uh, to focus myself, you know, cause I, I can disappear down the, uh, the YouTube rabbit hole, uh, very, very easily, you know? And so, um, for me, it's just, how do I make that not an option for myself in, uh, in that process? So I, I, you know, right now I'm on a kick of writing, writing by hand in, in notebooks, but I'll tell you, there's been other times where I've written directly, uh, you know, I've, I've tried all kinds of things, all kinds of different programs, all kinds of different things. I think what I do now is I write by hand, then I transfer it to uh, Google Docs, and that's where right. I do my editing. And uh, that's where we have the editing stuff, collaborations, and all that stuff happens. So so that's my that's my process here. Um, and that's for writing. I mean, musically, it's totally different, but we could get into that. That's that's a long process also. And, well, uh, yeah. well, give us the longest. Oh, you can't get around. No, you can go, no. Music, how do you do it? Okay, so music uh, depends on exactly how it how it plays out, but a lot of times what will happen is uh, I write songs in my head first, and I purposely do that because um, I want to be able to write 
a song that's melody is strong enough that you could just sing it on its own without any backing stuff. And it'll still hang in the room. Reminds me of like Summertime from uh, Porgy and Bess or something like that. I mean, you just have these really strong melodies. So I try to write a melody um, and words without any backing music. And then I'll bring in a guitar or a piano. Then I'll record a demo to that. Then I'll send the demo to a collaborator if I'm working with one, or I'll send it to myself. Once again, Google uh, Google Drive. Right. And uh, and then I'll uh, I'll start doing some basic demo production stuff. Then I'll send it to some musician friends of mine who will add parts. I'll take those things out. And it, it is an iterative process for every single song. There's probably about 15 different steps that all culminates, of course, in the mastering and then the release of the thing. But it, it starts with Inception just like any other thing does and just goes through uh, goes through editing processes and all that. But the funny, the difference about uh, between a, a song and writing a song and that, that being edited versus a book or a piece of, of writing is that you have to have the song written before any of the other stuff happens. And most of the, the editing and the work that's done in music is trying to have the quality of sound that you want or, uh, you know, getting the right feel on the drums or getting the right kick drum sound or, you know, those things. And that, and it's still part of it, but it's, it's just a little bit different. Right. The, the one thing I would say, and this, this reminds me a lot of what we were talking about with the uh, nostalgia issue is, and this is something I really want to be careful about is also with, uh, you know, writing myself, but technology, as we start to use technology, we suddenly start creating things that are more and more alike because we're all using the same things and uh, we're all fit in the same box. And for for a lot of musicians, you know, there's these things called software synths that they can they can hook up and it'll be string sounds or whatever. Well, the thing is, is you know now you can buy these memberships. It's thirty bucks a month for eleven thousand dollars worth of you know um, top quality instruments. That's great. But now mm-hmm. two point five million people all use the exact same sounds. Right. Well, that's not going to be an original thing. Like you know what I mean? Like that's that's yeah. all going to become very homogenous. So the uh, the thing that I really focus on with with music, and I, I'm trying to focus on this with ideas and and uh, in writing and creativity as well, is I'm trying to find things or manufacture my own methods. So I'm ha- that it's it's extra work, but it's also putting me in a more creative place because I'm not going to sound like anybody else out there because I'm using totally different tools than they are. Right. So that's that's kind of a, a thing I'm having to work on with music uh, myself, but I'm also translating it to writing, of course. Outstanding. So, any hey. rate, yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean it's 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 a it's something that I, that honestly I you know I we've hit on it, and I don't think I can. Sh- it's something that comes up often, and um. In the different shows that I do and conversations that I have, there is a fiercely divided camp, two camps of those who believe that songwriting and, and, and poetry are absolutely different things and and uh, may may rhyme in points, but uh, the creation of are absolutely independent of one another. And then there's the one that I'm in where I believe that uh, if there would if there was a if there was a family link closer than brother and sister, you know, that I believe that's what poetry and songwriting would be. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that if, it, if, it, if it's ego, that, that, that if it's ego of mine, that that's being too grandiose, I'm being honest, or the other person being afraid that somehow I'm trying to steal some of their thunder that, or saying they're less important than what I'm doing. When you, 
there, there's there's so much. And I, I think we maybe we've touched on this before, but when 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 I write, I cannot do it in silence. I may get an idea when it's quiet, but when I sit down to to write it. I don't have a particular kind of music. I have, well, with with genre, as far as like, okay, how am I feeling about it going into this? What is the genre that I think best fits this mood? I'll make that decision. But music is a is is a juggernaut in 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 my pantheon of 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 creative influences. And so, I mean, I it's just, as we move forward and we, and we and we take the business of of, of creation which is really the crux of what we're trying to do. I'm eager to get like other voices in there and, and get some of those. They're like, no dude, I think you're absolutely wrong. They're two different camps. What do you feel about that? No, I, I think, I think you're, uh, you're totally right. I mean, I, I like having the, the conversation for me. It's, uh, it's hilarious when people start saying that, uh, you know, that songwriting and, and lyrics are not the same thing or poetry is not the same thing. I should say, um, right. you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit different cause we're, we're, they're the same. And then they start to, spin out a little bit and of course iterate farther and farther away from each other in, in some respects. But I think the lyrical uh, piece is a very effective way of, uh, of condensing thoughts and emotions into things that, uh, that work with, uh, you know, pentameter and work with, uh, you know, work with rhyme and all of that. Um, at, at the same time, I feel like there's, there's something that other, that poets who usually kind of get a little uh, over the top about it, um, don't seem to recognize, which is once you've finished your poem, it's done. Once right. a musician or a songwriter's finished the poem, now they got to write the damn music. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, exactly. so, uh, <laughs> you know, so chill out there for a minute, but you know, yeah. Uh, um, so, I mean, honestly, but, but, um, for me at the same time, I should, I should say this for me, writing a poem feels very much like writing a song and, uh, Maybe it's just because I've done it for so long, but I feel like when I'm writing a song, it flows out. It just happens, just like a poem does. Now, of course, I go back and edit after that. That's the that's the moment of creation. Yes. Work. Oh my yes. Oh, that, that, we need this pencil. Write that down. That's <laughs> editing. Editing is going to be a whole show. That's going to be a whole show. You know that's, what? Yeah. Actually, yeah. we should we should get some people who uh, you know editors or whatever that we really we really trust to come yes. and talk because that that would be great. Yes. Um, but I mean, we're talking. You know that that initial thing of creation is awesome. But I, I also agree, and I, I share this with the students I have all the time, which is, uh, you know, great books, great songs, great anything. They're never written; they're rewritten, right. and uh, that to me that is that's just very valuable to remember as well. Agreed. All right, so Cliff, we gotta. Uh, you know, I think we're looking into bringing some people on the the show coming up here and having some new voices and some new guests people who can provide maybe different points of view things maybe yeah. even we disagree on but this should be really useful for the listeners here and uh we're, we're looking forward to it so definitely keep an eye open for as we start having guests come on because we're going to be choosing only the people we think will bring you the most value cliff do you have anything to add before we uh before we finish up no, no, no. Just please. Um, my email is Clifford Brooks at Southern Collective Experience dot com. And if you don't like the show, if you do like the show, tell us why. Let me know. What, what's uh, I'm going to let them know what your contact is, please. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find uh, my radio show, World Poetry Open Mic. We spell Mike M.I.C. World Poetry Open Mic dot net. Uh, we have thousands of hours of show content on there. We've got a bunch of uh, 
you know, books, we have some articles and, uh, you know, that's, that's a great place to, uh, to listen into the community and see what we're doing there. You can also find me at michaelamaday.com. Either one of those are a good way to get in contact with me as well. And yeah, just as Cliff said, we want to hear what you think. We want to hear your thoughts and we'd love to, uh, to connect with you as well. All right. So Cliff, thank you very much, sir. And, uh, we will, uh, we will talk to you next time on this business of music and poetry. Both Clifford Brooks and myself want to say thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you took some things away from this that you can apply to your own life. We're going to be continuing forward in this podcast, having guests, showing new perspectives and new ideas you can apply to your own life. The music for this episode was provided by the fantastic Justin Johnson. You can find him at justinjohnsonlive.com. You can find Clifford Brooks at southerncollectiveexperience.com. And you can find me at michaelamaday.com or worldpoetryopenmic.net. Join us for this next episode and bring your ideas with you. It's our goal to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Until we meet again. <laughs>